0: okay so the attributes of god uh, this is week two of the study and the last time that we met we had an introduction to the attributes of god and hopefully that gave you an overall view just of the the magnificence of the god that we serve uh, romans eleven thirty three says this it says oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Isaiah forty twenty eight says this. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. So these verses remind us of the vastness and the richness of the triune God who is united as one. And we have the privilege, through God's word, to get to know him in part. Uh, And when we come face to face with him in eternity, then, as 1 John 3, 2 tells us, it says... We will be like him or we will see him just as he is. So and even in that day when we see him as he is, we are going to continue to be in the glory of God and to glorify him throughout eternity. We can't even imagine the Bible will only take us so far. It gives us all that we need to know about God, but we can only imagine being with God forever, for eternity, apart from sin. But until then, what do we do? We continue throughout this life being cleansed from sin and being sanctified to be more like Christ on our way to that day of final glorification. Until then, we seek to know our God our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit as much and as best we can on this side of heaven. The only way that we can do that is through his word. So join me in prayer as we call upon the Lord to open up the eyes of our heart so that we may see him better and draw closer to him through his word. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together Lord, we thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to get to know you more and to learn more about you through your word. We thank you for your precious word, which you have given to us, Lord, so that we can know you all that we need to know about life. And about salvation is found in your word. So help us to treasure your word. And we ask that as we go through it tonight, God, talking about your existence, Lord, that you would open up the eyes of our heart, open up our minds, God, to hear what it is that you have to say to us through your word. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So tonight, our focus is going to be on God's existence, his self-existence, and this is what is known as his aseity, and that's A-S-E-I-T-Y, aseity, and the word aseity comes from two Latin words, a, meaning from, and see. S-E, meaning self. And this means from self to have being or existence within oneself. Uh, so practically, what does this mean? What does this mean to us on, on a plain level? It means that all that God needs is possessed within himself. He doesn't need anything to sustain his own existence if nothing else existed god would still be if everything that we see in front of us right now and all that we have been made aware of that is out in this world in terms of existence things that we know for sure to be if all of that would go away God would still be. The uh, Westminster Confession of Faith, section 2.2, it explains God's aseity in this way and his self-sufficiency as this. It says, God hath all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself and is alone in and unto himself All-sufficient, not standing in need of any creatures which he hath made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his own glory in, by, unto, and upon them. He is the alone fountain of all being, of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things. And we'll read um, just in just a little bit the scripture that backs that up. Um, But for now, what we have to realize is this, is that there is never a time when God was not. So there wasn't a, a point when there was just complete nothingness and then continued on to nothing and nothing. And then all of a sudden, God. No, God has always been. There has never been a time when there was absolutely nothing at all. Because if that was the case, if there was a time when there was nothing at all, that means that nothing would ever be. So then you have to ask yourself then the question, when did God begin? And the simple, short answer to that question is that he has always been. He has no beginning and there is no end to God. And it is in him that all things depend. All things have come into existence through eternal God. He has always been. And He will always be. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1 verses 10 through 12 and we'll be looking through the scripture tonight just to back up the claims of the the self-existence of God, this attribute of God. Scripture has much to say about it. We won't get to all of it tonight but As we go on through the study, you'll see that a lot of the attributes that we talk about will be mixed in with each other. But let's read Hebrews chapter one, verses 10 through 12. And it says this, starting in verse 10, it says, And you, Lord, in the beginning, laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish but you remain and they all will become old like a garment and like a mantle, you will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed, but you are the same and your years will not come to an end. See, this is a testimony to the eternality of God, which is Another aspect of his existence, another aspect of his self-existence and self-sufficiency is his eternality. Genesis 1-1 says simply this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created, right? Exodus chapter 20, verse 11 says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. So we see that the earth that we see in front of us, the waters that we were just um, talking about, like being down in the, in the warm weather in Florida, you know, down um, near the waters, all of those things had a beginning point. In the beginning, God created. None of that stuff just happened by chance. God created out of nothing, though he has always been here. There's never been a point where he was not. And that's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around because we think in terms of time, right? But even time itself, had to have a beginning. Time did. But God was outside of time, stepped into time. And we'll talk about that um, a little bit here and and just a little bit here as well. But God has created everything. A.W. Pink says this. He says, and this is in his book, The Attributes of God. He says this, there was no heaven where his glory is now particularly manifested. There was no earth to engage his attention. There were no angels to hymn his praises. No universe to be upheld by the word of his power. There was nothing, no one but God. And that, not for a day, a year, or an age, but from everlasting. During eternity past, God was alone, self-contained, self-sufficient, self-satisfied, in need of nothing. This all speaks to the self-existence and self-sufficiency of God. So there has never been a time when there was nothing at all and there always had to be something because you can't. There's just no way to create out of absolutely nothing. So there has always been something and that something is a someone and he is. Eternal God. God was in the beginning before anything was created at all. He was. Exodus chapter three, verse 14. This is where we see the name of God. I am. Let's take a look just at that that verse. This chapter 3, verse 14. And it says simply this. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. So this is a name that declares that God is the sole self-existent one. God alone. He is self-sufficient all by himself. It's been described as this. And I quote, he is a necessary being. And existing of himself, independent of any other self-existent. I am that I am. And that's a powerful, powerful statement. Jesus made I am claims and the people wanted to kill him because they knew what that statement meant. He was saying that he is God, that he is equal with God, meaning that he has been here for eternity, you know, and they look at Jesus. The people looked at Jesus as being a created being, you know, now he came down into his own creation to live that perfect, sinless life, to die on the cross for undeserving, wretched, Sinners you know to be taken off of that cross, buried in that tomb, laid in that tomb, resurrected from the dead on the third day, you know, but before he died, the people were looking at him like you 're just a created being, you know the son you know the the son of mary and and Joseph, how can you, how dare you make this claim that You are equal with God. But see, he was, he is God. And he has been here from the beginning. God is the creator and sustainer. So God is uncaused. And he exists. By the necessity of his own being, and therefore necessarily. Man, on the other hand, does not exist necessarily, and has the cause of his existence outside of himself. See, we as human beings, even though we are made in the image of God, we are not self sustaining. We are not. Self-sufficient, you know, no matter how independently we are within ourselves. And, you know, we want to be we have things that we like to do on our own. You, you know what I mean? Things that we want, securities that we want to set up for ourselves on our own. But at the end of the day, we are dependent on something on someone, even, you know, other other human beings who have been made in the image of God. We are dependent upon them, you know, to, to a degree, you know, but ultimately, we are fully dependent on God. You know, we cannot take one breath apart from him. We cannot make One motion apart from the power of God, you know, we may say and make that claim that we don't need people, you know, and and try to stay to ourselves. But that is not true. (laughs) It's not true. Um, We need people for something. We are dependent beings. That is the way that God has created us and um you know we have to you know we we realize that fact even the i would just say the the person that is even the homeless person on the street that may not have anyone is still dependent on people you know ultimately though it is god who gives us the strength the life the breath that we have within our bodies he is the creator and sustainer now the reason that you and i exist is because of god so we can search far and wide and we will be forced to conclude that god is the ground of all things without him all things fall apart yet he chooses to enter into relationship with other beings and we should be thankful for that he doesn't have to but he chooses to so eternal god of of past present and future like we talked about just a few minutes ago he stepped into time He created heavens and earth and all of the inhabitants therein. He created them by himself, for himself, and all things ultimately unto himself. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 11, verses 34 through 36. Yes, Romans chapter 11, verses 34 through 36. In verse 34, it says this, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to to him again. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So, from God, from him, through God, to God are all things. Every single Thing. And then we look at this at, at this world and see the things that happen. And it may puzzle us as to how can all things be to the glory of God? You know, we, we, we look and one of the first things that we notice is the evil in the world. And we think, OK, God is all powerful. He is omnipotent. Why doesn't he stop it? He has the power to do it. Why doesn't he stop it? You know, but even those who uh, walk in darkness and participate in evil deeds, God is going to affect his justice against them. And it's going to be to his glory even satan himself whom so many people fear and so many people think that he is who needs to be uh feared in hell but even the devil is god's devil you know he has no power Outside of what God allows for him to have. And one day he is going to be destroyed. But see, in hell, it's God who must be feared. And God's wrath that must be feared. So the evil things that happen in this world should um, should not cause us to fear if we know Christ. Should not cause us to fret if we know God, because he is going to get the glory out of it all. One day he is. So from him, what that means is God is the source through him. That means that he is the means to him. That means that it is all for God's glory. So again, Romans 11:36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let's also take a look at uh, Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, verses 12 through 18. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 12 through 18. Starting in verse 12, it says this. It says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult and who gave him understanding and who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God or what likeness will you compare with him? See, There is no way, there is no way to compare God to anyone else. All other false gods pale in comparison to almighty God. There is nothing that can be compared to him. Only you can only compare God by God. And that's what we're doing is looking at his attributes that make the whole of God. Again, his attributes aren't, we can't separate them. And, you know, from God, it's God on a whole. We're looking at who he is on a whole. And again, just scratching the surface. But we see that looking at the vastness of who God is and the fact that he is self sufficient that he does not need anyone else or anything else to exist that we see that none can even begin to take a stand against him yet there are those in their foolish pride who try and we know that that is a futile act to try to stand against a holy god see in God is life. It is God who has life in himself. He is the one who possesses life and he is the giver of all life. He does not derive life from any source outside of himself. And that's where we get our life from is from God. But as God the Father has life in himself, so does the Son have life in himself. John chapter 5, verse 26, it says this. It says, for just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. So that's John Chapter five, verse 26, John 14, six says this, and this is one of the I am statements that we talked about that Christ made. He says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So we see that in God, the father, there is life in the sun also there is life and lest we think that the trinity is not in sync on this matter of life we look to romans chapter 8 verses 10 and 11 Romans, chapter eight, verses 10 and 11. It says this. It says, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal bodies, uh, dwells in you, sorry. He who has raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So we see that there is life in the father. There is life in the son. There is life in the Holy Spirit as well. The triune God, father, son, spirit, all share in the aseity of god the self-existence the the self-sufficiency of god and we talked about that uh whenever we met week one um, about the attributes saying that the attributes are applicable across the trinity father son holy spirit all one all in agreement all equal so the, the attributes that we talk about are equal in the Trinity. All right. Any, any questions or comments? Okay. Psalm 36 verses 7 through 9. It says this. It says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God, and the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their Fill of abundance of your house and you give them to drink of the river of your delights for with you is the fountain of life in your light. We see light. So it is God who gives life and he causes all that lives and exists to depend on him, though he himself depends on him No one. God is self-sustained. Everything that exists outside of God is a byproduct. There is not one thing that God needs in order to sustain his existence. He created everything out of nothing, and he does not need anything at all to uphold him. There is nothing that we can do to uphold God. We don't add anything to God's self existence, to his existence or his to his sustaining himself. There is nothing that we can do. All of his creation, it proves that God is real, but everything that he created. None of it does he need to sustain himself. Psalm 50 uh, verses 10 through 12. Let's turn and read that. Okay, starting in verse 10. It says, "For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all it contains." See? God created everything, remember? From him, and through him, and to him are all things. He, he created these things, but he does not need one thing that he has created in order to uphold himself. God is independent and he is eternal. Now, God is eternal. And we too are eternal beings, right? Because we have souls that will never die. We're either going to be with Christ forever, apart from sin, or we are going to be under the wrath of God in hell forever. Eternal beings. But we had a beginning. Whereas God did not. We are dependent upon God, whereas God is sufficient in and of himself. See, if God needed something else or someone else in order to sustain his existence, then that which he needs would have some eternal quality or essence within it. Because God is eternal, so the things that he needs would have to be eternal as well. Eternal, as in from the time that God existed, you know, in order to sustain him. But he needs nothing. There was only God. Remember, we said that uh, as we read in the pink quote that God was alone. He was alone, but he wasn't lonely. You know, he was self-sufficient. He was self-contained. He was self-satisfied. Okay? Everything else was created. That was God's choice to uh, to create. But none of it does he depend on. If he needed it to sustain himself, then there would be some eternal quality or essence within it. But God needs nothing or no one in order to exist. God's self-existence and self-sufficiency is his essence. That's God's essence. Listen to what David says about the sufficiency of God. And let's turn to 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 29. And listen to what David said about the sufficiency of God whenever Israel made uh, offerings in order to build God's temple. Uh, First Chronicles, chapter 29, verses 10 through 12. And starting in verse 10, it says, so David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion of O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. So that is a magnificent testimony of David to the the sufficiency of God. And notice what David did there. So it was the people who were bringing the gold and the silver, the precious metals, the materials in order to build the temple, to build God's temple. But what did David do? He did not glory in the people who brought it? He looked right past them and to God, who is the one that supplies all things. He gloried in God as, as the giver of all things. As should we. You know, that, that should be our attitude as well. Even when we accomplish something and are proud of something that we accomplish, there's nothing wrong with. Having that sense of satisfaction whenever we accomplish something or do something that is uh, significant, even someone else, when we are proud of someone else for accomplishing something, maybe one of our loved ones who has reached a goal that they were that they had set out to achieve. You know, even then, you know, when we see, when we have that sense of accomplishment. And are satisfied there, we should always look to God as the one who gives the strength for us to accomplish those things. So, and and look to Him as the one who supplies everything that we need in order to um, live our lives. So, we see that there are many, many uh, great. Truths when it comes to the the sufficiency and self existence of God, and there are many more that we could uh, that we could go through. Um, but like I said, these things are going to repeat themselves as we go through discussing some of the other attributes of God, because again, it's everything. All encompassed together, we're just taking little chunks and scratching the surface of trying to know who God is. But we see all of this great truth here. And yet. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There is no God, even after all of this that we have talked about and all of the scripture that points to god the fool says in his heart there is no god and this is what is known as atheism so we'll take a look at uh real quick just that three types of uh atheism and uh steven charnock in his book uh well in his uh writings on the attributes of god says that there are three types of atheism. Uh, Absolute atheism. And that is the atheism which denies that there is a God at all. These are those who say there is no God. Then there is providential atheism. And providential atheism is... That which confines God to heaven. And that is, we we talked about that week one as well, what is known as deism. And deism says that God is impersonal. You know, he he uh, sits above the, the, you know, the circle of the heavens and, you know, he knows what's going on down here, but he is not involved at all, with uh, with our lives. So, kind of like we we talked about. So it's like a clock. You know, you wind up a clock or or a watch and just let it go. <laughs> you know, not so much with the digital things these days, but even we have to charge those up, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you you wind it up and you let it go, and then have nothing else to do with it. That's how some people see. That's what that's what providential atheism is. So, yeah, God exists, but he's not personal. He's not involved in everyday, the everyday affairs of life. And then there is uh, natural atheism. And natural atheism is this. It's the atheism which denies the nature and perfections attributed to God in the scripture. So this would be the type of atheism, which again says, yes, there is a God, but it denies him the fullness of character described in his word. So everything that we have read about God and talked about, you know, the, the uh, natural atheist is going to say no. All of those don't apply to God, but this is how his word describes him. This is what his word says about him and who he is. So all three levels of it are foolish. You know, number one, to say that there is no God at all is completely foolish, you know, but it is foolish to look and say that yeah maybe there is a god but i don't think he's involved in our lives or you know uh to say that yeah god is real but what the bible says about him can't be true all of that can't be true and that's dangerous because that's an attack on his word because if what his word says about him is not true, then what else isn't true in the Bible? And then you just start to pick it apart, you know, and start to make the Bible out to what you want it to be. You know, so that's also that, that's also dangerous. And that is foolish as well. So Charnock went on to um, refute atheism. And I'll only give you three points. There are a ton in his writings, but just three points to refute atheism. Number one is that man, religion is innate to man. Uh, Romans chapter two, verse 15 says this. It says they show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience bears witness and their thought, their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. So this is talking about the actions that people take, you know, and someone will say that God is not real. Right. But then where's what what determines right and wrong? For you, you know, you ask that person, okay, then if I steal your wallet and walk away with it, or just take it, walk away. Do you think that's right? No, that's not right. Well, why isn't it right? You know, what is your standard of justice? Where does that standard of justice come from? Where does right and wrong come from? It only comes from God, because if God didn't exist and what the Bible says about man, you know, that man is evil, (laughs) you know, why can't we just do whatever we want? And why is it wrong to do whatever we want to do to anyone, to ourselves? Why can't we? Because there is a standard of justice and it is God's law. It's his word. It's his law. The work of the law is written in their hearts. Their conscience bears witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. Romans chapter two, verse 15. Number two, the universe is evidence for God's existence romans chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 it says this it says because that which is known about god is evident within them for god made it evident to them for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen Being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So, again, same comment I made just a little bit ago. The universe gives testimony that God is real. It does. You know, there is no way that we can look and see all that has been created and think that it just burst into existence one day without a creator. God created it. It is from him, through him, and to him are all things. Uh, Number three, every effect must have a cause. So there are only two possibilities here. Either matter is eternal or God is eternal. See, even time it itself, like we talked about, time itself must have a beginning. Time is motion and all motion must have a beginning. Where did that come from? You know, how did time Start. How did it come to be? Before it was just eternity. Eternity. We have eternity set in our hearts, but right now we can't fathom it because we are structured into 24 hour days, seven days a week. That's all we know. (laughs) You know what I mean? But we have eternity in our hearts. We can think about it and think about it and think about it, but we're not going to know until we're there. Now, we have eternal life. Eternal life began the moment that we placed our faith in Christ. He gave us eternal life, but still we are finite. You know, we 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 um, we're limited in where our thoughts can take us. We can't understand uh, fully, but you know, one day we will see Christ and we will be like him, right? Now, both man and time have a beginning. There is nothing that can create itself because nothing can act before it exists. The atheist is forced to, whether they like it or not, whether they will admit it or not, they have to resign to the fact that nothing exists can't create something so again if there was at some point in time in eternity nothing at all completely nothing then there wouldn't be anything today we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now it's impossible for there to be nothing at all and remember, we said that nothing, that, that, that something that is, is not a thing, but he, God, eternal God. So there must be a creator. God created all things out of nothing. He is the first cause of every subsequent effect. He did not create himself, but is eternally and independently existent. He necessarily self exists. So there must be one original, uncaused cause. That is God. <laughs> and no other. So as we wrap up here. How does all of this benefit us? Because it's a lot of information. And like I said, we can go on for days talking about how God is self-existent and self-sustaining, needing no one but himself. So how does all of this benefit us? Number one, the Lord is our sufficiency. As Acts chapter 17, verse 28 says, for in him we live and move and exist, or we have our being in God. Number two, we have a God that cares for us and a God that can handle all our problems. Whenever our circumstances get the best of us and we are discouraged, we can say as the psalmist did, my flesh and my heart fails, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. No matter what it is that we face, whatever we go through, God is our portion forever, no matter how, how dire The circumstances we can look to Christ. Psalm Psalm seventy-three says He is my portion forever. Um, The problems that we magnify and make so big look like this to God. They are so small. And we have that that benefit, that privilege of casting all of our cares onto him. Everything that worries us, we can give it all to God and he will sustain us. So the fact that he is self-sustaining should give us hope, knowing that we can lean on his everlasting arm. Then number three, we can look confidently to the inheritance that awaits us in glory. We have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. First Peter chapter one verses three. And four. So there is one who is the possessor of life, who has lovingly chosen to enter into relationship with us by creating us, and if we believe in him giving us eternal life. What a mighty God we serve! A mighty God. Any questions, comments? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you, God, for being able to talk about who you are. Lord, we know that we are limited in our minds and even in the experiences that we have uh, day to day, God, in knowing who you are. But we thank you because you are so gracious. You are so kind. You are so merciful toward us, God. We know that you are a great God, but we thank you because you condescended from heaven, your son, to come down to this earth and walk among his creation. The ones that he has made. God, we know that there was not one person or one thing that has been created or made that was not, that did not come through your son, Jesus Christ. And he came down into his creation to save Those whom you have chosen before the foundation of the world from eternity past, God, that is something that blows our mind as well. And how do we know that we are chosen, that 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 we are your sheep that you have loved from eternity past? The evidence of that is our faith in you. God and in in your son Jesus Christ and him alone. So we ask that as we depart from here God that even as we lay our heads down tonight on our pillows that we would continue to keep our minds focused on you and on your son and on the holy spirit. God, who lives on the inside of us. May we never be satisfied in what we learn about you, but give us that hunger to go on and find out more about you, to search your scriptures. Lord, to tirelessly go through them, seeking to know you as best we can on this side of heaven. And it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen.